this holiday season. This is Stuart. Hello. Excitement. Come on, Stuart! Adventure. You must be Stuart. Actually, I must be going. How'd you like to rub it from the inside, mouse boy? Opens everywhere December 17th. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson, and you are listening to Old Millennials Remember Movies. Today we are going to talk about what you just heard there, Stuart Little, and this might be a podcast where we only talk about the movie we watched, A Little. <laughs> we watched the sequel, too, so... Stuart Little 2. And you read the book with our kids. That's why. I did. Mm-hmm. You also uh, filled in a couple chapters, so I'm, oh, I have I did, a few right. gaps in the in the book, but yeah. So it is our capper to our animal series. Roar. So we started with uh, Roar. Yes. From 1981. I think the movie of the century. I mean, really, we started with Tiger King, but yes, we went back and watched that. Well, Roar. for the show. For I the know. show. Yes. And then we watched... I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Tyler. I always want to say Lion King, but we did not watch No, Lion the Lion King. King is a past episode, but it's not one we watched. We watched Roar. We watched... Come on. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you stroking out over there? Yeah. Me too. Uh... Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. That was the last episode. And then there was one before that. 101 Dalmatians. Oh, 101 Dalmatians, the live action from 96. That's right. Yeah. So we are capping it off with 1999's Stuart Little, which is in our uh, range of movies, but feels a little bit odd because of the CGI character. It's, it's weird to do, you know, we do a lot of 80s movies, we do a lot of early 90s movies, and here we are doing this movie from 99 with a CGI character. Yes, so we will get into that in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, let's jump into our segment, What You have Been Watching? Oh, okay. Well, I've been watching uh, some, well, we. Uh, I, I've been watching the TCM app, the Turner Classic Movies app. And there was a couple that I, a couple, you know, there's always a couple movies where you're like, I feel like I've seen that movie or I should have seen that movie. And one of them was Double Indemnity from 1944, a movie that I thought I'd seen, but I was like, I don't know, maybe I should watch it, see if I, you know, remember it. Mm-hmm. Watched it, didn't remember anything about it, mm-hmm. therefore clearly hadn't watched it before. Yeah. So it's, it's great. It's a, it's a noir about an insurance salesman who's played by uh, Fred McMurray and he gets involved in this plot by this femme fatale played by Barbara Stanwyck and she they they come up with this idea to get rid of her husband uh for the insurance money and mm-hmm. the, it's a, it's always a, the, the the thing about the movie is that it's a the, the insurance salesman knows that it's a pointless endeavor they've they're too good at sniffing this stuff out they know when things are not like a real death and that's not accidental and things like that but because he's an insurance salesman he knows how to do it oh he, he knows is. how to get double insider. indemnity which is a, an extra you get extra money for a certain way of death in this case a, a train accident Oof. so um it's it's great uh there's a character played by edward g robinson who's like the insurance agent's um, boss, and he's like a just a super. He's just he's the claims guy. You can always just fish it out, and so that he's on the trail, but he doesn't know what he's on the trail of. It's so good. It is like the quintessential uh, noir, other than the one that we watched kind of together. You mm-hmm. had a little trouble. I mean, I tried staying awake <laughs> really hard to stay up and watch it. So the other one we watched was the Postman Always Rings Twice. This one is from 1946. Lana Turner, John Garfield. This is about a guy who comes into a small town or a little place by the roadside, falls in love with Ron, Lana Turner, and they don't know what to do. This okay. is the, yeah, I'm gonna go pa- ahead. I'm going to pause you right there yeah. because I think you use the term uh, falls in love very loosely because his first day there, uh-huh. he definitely has a significant hashtag me too moment. Oh, he just grabs her and kisses her. We're like the husband I just is kiss like them. one room over and oh, he yeah. just grabs her and kisses her. And then there's this, this I don't know, two minute scene right after that they kiss where she doesn't say she doesn't object she mm-hmm. isn't like ooh la la i liked that she like doesn't respond she just reapplies her lipstick 
Oh, yeah. And then she goes, like, spends a week ignoring him, right? Yeah. I like in Double Indemnity, it actually begins as, like, the insurance agent is flirty with her, but doesn't like her and knows he should stay away, and it's an overall just better setup. The thing about The Postman Always Rings Twice is that what you were watching, it like, Double Indemnity is really tight. It's, like, knotted in a perfect way, and you get to be part of the process, whereas The Postman Always Rings Twice kind of glosses over, like, the plan a little mm-hmm. bit, which I think would have been more fun. But yeah. then, I think the second half is just, it's dynamite, because there's a lot of shifts in the narrative, and what things happen, learn, and that's when you fell asleep. It is. What I <laughs> did learn from the plot that wasn't shared with us, it mm-hmm. really, is that if I want to kill um, my husband, yeah. I can get a small pouch of marbles... Or tiny rocks, mm-hmm. uh, and then, I mean, a small pouch, like, it can fit in the palm of my hand easily, and I could toss it between my two hands easily, mm-hmm. so, and then I can just sneak up behind you and whack you in the back of the head, well, and that will kill you. No, that, actually, if you had stayed awake, you would know that that actually doesn't work, because he only ended up in a coma for oh, a little while, see? and he survived, and they got to come up with a new plan. Yeah, that was a bad idea. So, Obviously, this little so then, bag of marbles isn't going to do shit, people. I'm not dogging on you for falling asleep. You'll fall asleep in a, a classic film or a regular... You just If it's a certain hour, there's a chance you're going to fall asleep. It happens to everybody in, to a certain, spe- uh, certain extent. What it was fun was, and I'm not gonna over, I'm not gonna go over it in detail, but you were asking me once you woke up from the couch, like, well, what, what happened? So then I kind of explained it, and then I like, I tried to explain the title to you, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense, and I was like, well, it would have made sense if you'd watched it. I still don't understand what the title means. I think, it, well, I don't wanna, I think it's better to watch the movie and then it makes more sense. Okay, so go watch. They explain it, but. The mailman always knocks that's twice. That's not right, but. Double postman. indemnity is the. I mean, the postman these, knocks twice. What's we, it called? We, the postman always rings twice. We don't need to really recommend these movies. These are classic films. Well, we do if old millennials are listening. Oh yeah, double indemnity. I think is is amazing, and I liked Postman Ring Always Rings Twice, but double indemnity is like yeah. I mean, anybody's liking to like that one. Um, so I watched those two things. I did watch. I haven't been watching a lot of like. So we're we're in, you know, pandemic and there's not the theaters are closed and so there are some movies that are showing up on on demand and there's you know, Netflix has new movies and Amazon will put stuff on and for whatever reason I just haven't been in the mood for mm-hmm. any of these new things. Even though it's usually kinda of part of my job, I have to kinda of keep track of uh new releases and then I decided for my writing job that I was going to do a retrospective on the last decade for like four weeks, so I just didn't bother doing new releases, so I haven't been watching much. But I did watch one, it was called Blow the Man Down, and this was kind of like a modern noir to go along with my old ones that I've been watching. And it's uh, got two, kind of, you know, it's a small budget movie, two female directors leading it. It's about these two women living in like a main, a coastal main town who get caught up this guy tries to assault this woman and she kills him in self-defense but because of the circumstances of this man and what he does they have to cover it up because there's a lot of corruption and a lot of bad shit going on in this little town and so they her and her friend have to deal with this uh craziness Margot martindale is the big name in it she's kind of just a supporting character she ends up being kind of the the baddie of the film so it's kind of Kind of. That, that's not spilling anything. Okay. It's pretty apparent from the beginning. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. It's not, like, incredible. But it was a nice little uh, mix to go with what I've been watching. Okay, what was it called? Blow the Man Down. And I can watch it where? It's on Amazon Prime. And the, the title is a... You understand the title right at the beginning. There's some people singing the song, which I thought was a striking way to start the movie. Um, you know, the Blow the Man Down song. No, I don't know. Sing it for me. Yo-ho, Blow the Man Down. Good job. Yeah. I still don't know what song you're singing, but good job. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then, let's see, what else did I watch? I watched, ooh, we watched, uh, well, yeah, we watched Missing Link with our kids. That's like one of several Bigfoot slash Sasquatch slash Yeti slash Abominable Snowman movies that have been out in the last couple of years. Yeah, it was fine. It's from Leica, the company that made, like, um... Oh, that's why they called Leica. Like, uh... Kubo and a... Kubo and the Two Strings, and, um... That one with the little guys, nine, eight, what's the number? It's a number movie. Wow, okay. They make good movies, and they're, you know, I think they've been kind of on this... 
they've been trying to their movies unfortunately they're they're so expensive to make their stop motion animation and they they never seem to make as much money as they they should probably to justify the budget and uh this is another example i don't think it did very well but man they're pretty good like they deserve more in the world where pixar is like king and then dreamworks sucks up everything and the other disney ones sucks everything they're kind of on the next tier but i they're good they make good solid movies and those solid pretty funny story the kids liked it i like sasquatch we didn't watch any we were gonna watch the other ones but we haven't yeah kids are asking to watch that yeah yeah so i think this one's pretty solid i'm guessing that the missing link is the the better of them probably there's another one too abominable i can't can't even think of it anyway and then i watched uh killing them softly again this is the first time i've seen it since it came out in 2012 it's Andrew Dominic's movie it has Brad Pitt as like this mob type enforcer guy. It was marketed as a, it seemed like it was going to be like an action movie, like a crime action movie. But then it, I remember it got like really good reviews, but like the cinema score exit polling was so bad. They just, people just did not like it because it was not that not movie. Not as advertised. It was not that movie, but God, it's so good. And it was great. The reason I watched it was that the little clip or whatever that runs on Netflix or one of those things showed... Ben Mendelsohn, who we've talked about on this podcast, and an actor I really like, and I forgot that he was even in it. And I even at the time, I'm not even sure if I was paying attention to who Ben Mendelsohn was when it came out. So it was fun to see him in the movie. Uh, James Gandolfini's in it. Uh, yeah, Brad Pitt, um, Richard Jenkins, just a, just a fucking great cast. And um, it's really good. I loved. I liked it a lot more even than I remember liking it. And then I think I told you about the ending, which is I think just a great ending um <laughs> i'm not gonna spoil it but the movie kind of takes place during the election of obama so it's like 2008 the economy's crashed right it's awfully you know, heard of all you know economy's completely crashed right now and uh there's just these clips of the the election on in the background and the movie ends on election night and when he's doing his speech and uh brad pitt ain't having uh having talk about uh equality and uh, goodness in the world and change and blah 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 he's a he ain't having it and he gives a a pretty amazing just kind of final code to the movie it's it's fucking great i think it applies to uh, unfortunately a lot of what's happening in our world right now but it was really good i would recommend it if you missed it before it's still on net i didn't even know it was on netflix until Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's a good movie. Ray Liotta's in it. God, the cast is good. It's a good fucking cast. I've been watching a much more highbrow material than that. Oh, have you? Yeah. A little little show called Charmed. The new series, not the old series. Because you've seen the old series like four times already. I think I've gone through it probably like three times total in the last 15 years. So there's a new one. There's a new one. It's been out for a year or two, right? Uh, something like that. This is season two or season three. I can't keep track. And Alyssa Milano. Not in it. I don't, I don't care then. Yeah. I'm all about Alyssa Milano. Is there anybody on the level of Alyssa Milano? No. Okay. Well, see, I'm not interested. Rose McGowan. Shannon Doherty. Now, Shannon Doherty and Rose McGowan were never on at the same time on the old show. Is that right? There Rose might... McGowan replaced Shannon there Doherty. There was maybe like a brief crossover time, but no. Gotcha. They weren't playing the same character. They changed no. the character. It was yeah. a different person, right? Yeah. I don't know. You watched a lot of it. I chose not to engage in any of it. Whatever. It's a fun witchy show. About a witchy the, show. It's about witches. There are three witches. I know. It three is. witch sisters. Well, you know, that talk about sisterhood and feminine issues. And traveling and girl pants. power and traveling pants. Sisterhood of the traveling pants. No, get out of here. Okay. Anyway. It's That's fun. what you've been watching. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, so the other thing we were going to do, this was your idea. Oh, we're gonna, yeah. Mm-hmm. We we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we're living in some strange times. And uh, we were kind of wrestling with, we're done with our animal series after this episode. And we were trying to figure out, like, well, do we want to, like, do something that's kind of, like, quarantine related? Or is everybody, now it's, you know, May when we're recording this, is everybody tired of that talk are we or are we going to be doing this for another year and a half off and on and maybe that's we have plenty of time to do it so you were thinking of like movies that represent the time of being confined and quarantined and uh mm-hmm. so i thought and about not it too on the nose 
but not too on the nose. See, I didn't get that direction because I you told me to think about it and write a couple titles down. So and I, I specifically said, but not on the nose. So I thought about it for about five minutes, and then I wrote some titles down, whereas you definitely put in some more time. So when we go through this list, I think uh, I go first, and it sounds like you have some better. The idea is that maybe we can pick something to do for the yeah. show. Yeah. Are we going to do that before we talk about Stuart Little? I think it's or before. I think it's before. Why not? It's the is top-off it? stuff. Is it? Yeah. Well, now we're talking about it now. We're not going to tease it for later. That's ridiculous. Okay. Well, right? let me get out my list then. Great. And uh, if you are just waiting to just speed ahead to Stuart Little, uh, I'm sure you can just jump ahead. Is anybody speeding ahead to Stuart Little? No, nobody's we listening to this We gave you this, this interesting podcast. topic. I know. No one's listening to God it at all? damn it. My phone didn't charge at all while it was sitting over there. Nobody listens to this podcast at all? Well, I've got 14... No, a few. A few people. My mom, your... 76 episodes, and we've got a listenership of 10 people. Nah, it's way more than that. Okay. Don't make the listeners feel bad. Okay. You guys suck for not telling all your friends to listen. Yeah. How about that? It's all your fault, Tell people. your old millennial friends. Okay. It's not our fault that listen, we don't advertise sir, it. What? I've got 13% left on my phone, well, so you... we have to speed... Oh, I also have a computer I could access my Yeah, you could. From. That's true. You have a computer right in front of you, so... Did you know that you're kind of a dick? Yes. Okay. Um, just want to make sure that that was said today. The obvious, like, movies that I was thinking about were, um... And... Unfortunately, I did like do a quick like kind of searches to see if oh, I was forgetting something after I made my list, and it was like pretty much like a lot of the ones that I would have like I put on the list. So okay. I'm just like whatever. So like yeah, I was thinking about like single location movies that I yes. like. Yeah, and so that's like I went back to like one of my favorite. Alfred Hitchcock movies, which is like Rope, which is take place in an apartment, and there's like a murder they have to hide. Aren't we talking about movies in the 80s and 90s? I know. I was just making my list. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. This is just where it started from. This is where you started. Okay. And then Rear Window is another Alfred Hitchcock. See, this is what I'm telling you where my brain is going. I did have Rear Window on my list. I know it came out in like 1954. There was a Christopher Reeve one that was made for TV that would have fit into our time there period. There was that one with Shia LaBeouf, but that it's was 2007. Not, it was called something else, Suburbia, and it wasn't technically rear window obviously it, it was, was similar like, very it was inspired by but i really it, a rear window really makes me think of you right now because you're doing a lot of spying on the neighbors outside your your every window in the house that has that is i do that with or without a pandemic i would say that the percentage of time spent doing said activity has dramatically increased i'm afraid to go outside so i'd have to look through my window <laughs> and then you're always just like bitching about everything the neighbors are doing sons of bitches Okay. I am. So that, Continue your train of thought. So then I just was going down the list of like, okay, so then that's like Night of the Living Dead. That's where they get the, the zombies come and they have to, but that movie takes place mostly in like a house where they get all trapped for a little while. Yeah. And then I was thinking about what you said uh -huh. when we first started talking about this, The Shining, which is 1980. Yes. And that Shining's is on my list. confined to a hotel. So then that made me think about probably my, like it's, it's always a battle of like my favorite horror movie. And then The Shining is up there, but then... I always struggle with whether Alien is a horror movie or a sci-fi or both, because that's pretty much just like a movie about confined spaces, and it's a small crew getting terrorized by this alien. Yeah. And so that's one of my favorite movies like in that. this genre. Yeah. So I'm still kind of, that's like 1979, so we're still like barely, we're not even really getting to the, the Shining area. Is, Shining is like 80, yep. Um, the Shining is really fitting. So then I thought, oh yeah, go ahead. The Shining is really fitting, because that's, I'm, I'm feeling like him right now. Oh. Stuck in this house. Like, I love you all, but I'm starting to get fucking cabin fever, and I'm, I'm, there are days when I, I want to be homicidal with all of you. Go for a walk. Go, go for a drive. You won't let me. You won't let me leave the house. That's not true. You're like the cabin. That's not true. The hotel. It's a hotel, for one. You know what I mean. No. You're accusing me of holding you hostage. I'm not yeah, doing that. I'm going to have a few of those hostage movies, because that's what I feel like with you. Wow, you're really nice. I love you. Um, so then finally we're into like ones that that would fit. Okay. Um, the Breakfast Club? They're confined in... A school. A school for um, detention. Mm -hmm. But then I was thinking like, is that one we do? Because we, every September or so we do like a back to school. Or maybe this year we'll do back to distance learning month. Um, and then... So I thought, well, maybe we'll just do that. Maybe then. So then that's not okay. going to work. A good one that's in the horror realm that we've been teetering around a lot is Misery. Yeah. Stephen King, uh, Kathy Bates, and James Caan, where he's like confined to a bed and she's. It's and I think been it's been so long since I've seen it's it. It's been, and I've only ever seen it 
one well half a time when i was like not supposed to watch it when i was You're really like young eight years old and then i watched it later um but the first time really traumatized me and then um but i haven't watched it since like whatever i officially watched it probably when i was 14 or something yeah. like that yeah. so and it's been on like a streaming service or off and on a couple streaming services so we've we've almost like watched it but haven't done it yet mm-hmm. so that's one that's a contender and then I kind of was like, there's not a lot, like, that would fit. Panic Room was 2002. That's, I don't know. It's not really, like, it is like they're in confined space, but. Yes, adjacent, not yeah. like. I think Phone Booth, Colin Farrell, is stuck in that phone booth pretty much for, uh, I think that's maybe 2002. And then, um, and then I was thinking about, uh, oh, so then I did look at a list, and then they told me Das Boot, which is like the submarine movie from, like, the. I think it's eighty something, um, and but then that made me think of a perfect movie for in our timeline, which is U five seven one, a movie that I remember liking with Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton. It's totally a Das Boot ripoff, mm-hmm. but that's like in the time period, and that made me think of that Harrison Ford one called The Widowmaker, where he was under the sub. So then I was just going through submarine movies. Yeah, basically all the submarine yeah. movies are. are so then that made me think of Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> which is not really like a hey. I might defend that movie. We watched it sometime. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I got. I that's, didn't, that's I didn't pretty, spend a lot of time. That's, that was a lot more movies than I thought you were going to But I, only four of them really like apply to the time period that we would do for the show. Yeah. So. I think one movie that we could re-explore, mm-hmm. just kidding, would be Home Alone <laughs> from 1990. Because that's what we are. We're home alone with each other. No, we're not. Oh, hey, we just watched that. That's nothing we've been watching. We watched Always Sunny, and we did watch that uh, Charlie's Home Alone episode, which begin. Oh from my god, the latest season that's on Netflix. It's not, it was from the previous season, but I oh, guess okay. we hadn't watched that one. But it's a great episode because for the first ten minutes, it's mostly like a a fun ribbing of Home Alone, but then takes a turn where it's more of like a Saw movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. And that is a good, Charlie great Day episode. is just crushing it as he always always is, but sometimes. The movie or the show gives him like these virtuoso episodes, and it's yes. just like the most impressive He's thing so I've ever seen. An Emmy. He's I think so good. during that episode, it made me think that because uh, Joaquin Phoenix won an Oscar for playing Joker, yeah, and I and the way he played it made me think uh, Charlie Day could have done this. <laughs> like he could have done. He was doing things in that episode that Joaquin Phoenix uh, kind of does. Yeah. Joker. and like I've always said, I will argue that someone who can pull off comedic stuff. Can way do the serious stuff. He's brilliant, but that's a great episode to talk about in terms of confinement because that is an episode in which he is stuck in the bar by himself. Yes, and largely none of the other cast members appear. Yes, it's good. Would you like to hear my list? Yes. Okay. So Home Alone was on my list. <laughs> We've done an episode on it. Makes sense. Insert title number here. Yeah, Rear Window was on my list, but I know it's fifty-four, but it just really made me think that of Christopher you. Reeve ones apply. Yeah. No. Okay. Then I also thought about, we've brought this up a couple times, Clue from mm. 1985. Sure, yeah. Because on two, on two perspectives here. Yeah. One, a crime is committed and they're all stuck in the house trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And two, board games. Because I think a lot of people are playing more board games than they ever have, ever. Yeah, you know, that's funny because like, a lot of people really love Clue and I have just never... I've not had an opinion or a feeling about it one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I'm just like, yeah, that's Clue. Yeah. But some people love it. It's like one of their favorite movies. Yeah, I don't have a... I don't dislike it. I don't have a distinct memory of it, but I do think I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Next on my list was Castaway. <laughs> yeah. What year is that? 2001? 2000. 2000. Yeah. Because we've all been cast away into our homes. He's been... Uh, he's stuck on an island. Has our my namesake on there, Wilson. I know. So that's us. We're all going crazy. I got a Funko Pop of Tom yeah. Hanks's Castaway. I think it's a good <laughs> that's one. That's not his name in the movie. Um, the 1990 version of Lord of the Flies. Now you might see that I have a theme of being stuck on an island because we are all stuck on our own islands. At least right. those of us who are, you know, self quarantining. Controversy. You need to skirt some controversy right here. I just said those of us who are self quarantining. Listen, judgment. Self quarantining, social distancing. These are smart things to do. I'm not telling you what to do. Besides, you know, just do yeah. the things yeah. that are smart. So do be Lord, smart. Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. 
seems like a good fit because there's a bunch of people, kids trapped in one place. Is that the one with? I, I is there only the? I, there, I think there's I've seen an older one. Yeah, I think I've only seen the older one. And the older one, I feel like, is what they showed us when yeah. we were in school. I don't think I've seen the 1991. Me neither, but it fit in the year, so I was like, yes. On on multiple ends, they're all trapped together, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're having to make their own like form of government, which kind of feels like what we're doing in our country right now is like it's like the wild west out there. Can be yeah. people making up their own rules and playing by their own games. Wow, are you making a statement? I don't no. know what you're saying. What kind of political statement are you making? Lord of the Flies fits. Okay, okay, this one mm-hmm. I feel like really, really fits. Blast from the past. Oh, that's that's a super underrated movie. And do you remember what it's about? It's from 1999. <laughs> what the fuck? How do you remember these kinds of things? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a movie that, because uh, 1999 is a well-loved movie year. Okay. And that is often cited as, like, an underrated one, and I would agree with it. And I think it's funny that we're doing a 99 movie this year, this episode, and it's Stuart fucking little, but uh, nevertheless. Um, yeah, it's about, like, Brendan Fraser. He's been locked in a bunker for years and years with his parents, Christopher Walken. Sure. And then they finally get out, and, like, Alicia Silverstone is in it. And yeah. she's like, yeah, it's pretty good. I like that movie. That's gonna be us. We're all gonna come out of our houses, and then it's gonna be like, "What the fuck is happening in the real world?" A lot of other people are already out of their houses, though. They're just running around. But those marching. of us who are staying in our house, uh-huh. years are gonna go by. I think it's inherently okay to go outside of the house. Oh my god, let's focus on the movie. Don't you think that's a good movie? Yeah, I do like because they're movie. stuck in a bunker. I don't think I have thing. it though. I have to remember if I could find it or somewhere. Okay, that one was a great one. Uh, mm-hmm. The Truman Show. To uh, nineteen ninety-eight. Yes. Um, at the one of my, used to be, I haven't watched it in so long. I used to cite that as one of like my favorite movies, but yes. I haven't watched it in many, many years. Yeah. So it's kind of like not been on that list. I feel like it's appropriate because it's like this whole world is made for him, but it's not a real world. And that's also what we're all doing at home, making our own little worlds. Mm hmm. Plus yeah. just the psychological fuckedness of like fuckedness being That's... lied to. And... Like, look up, go to Merriam-Webster uh, dot com. Let me look, look up fuckedness. That's a word. Okay. Okay. What do you think of the, the Truman Show? You think it fits? I love the Truman Show. I would love enjoy watching it. Okay. Then I mentioned to you when we first when I told gave you this assignment that what first popped in my head was Beetlejuice. Yeah. Well, you said The Shining first, but yes. Yeah. Beetlejuice. Because Beetlejuice, yeah. they like get in a car accident and they die, but then they're stuck in their home and then other people are moving in. Beauty, or Beauty and the Beast. That's not what Who we're saying. Are you? Beetlejuice is a movie that we have a DVD of and we've brought the DVD up from the other DVDs into our living room at least twice for the purposes of watching it for the podcast. Yeah. And we still haven't done it. Yeah, we should do it this, like, September. Sometimes we will, like, see, that's the thing that's happens. Like, let's watch Beetlejuice. Like, ah, we'll wait till, like, a fall or whatever, and then we don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one, another one I thought of um, that, so I was trying to think of, like, okay, what's another big issue we're facing right now? And that's homeschooling and dealing with shitty kids, but also being terrible, shitty parents. Mm. So I was trying to think of a movie that, like, the kid is kid or kids are good Trying to be good, and the kid and the parents are just fucking terrible. Problem child. No, because I always took the side of the kid in that movie. No, <laughs> but what did pop into my mind was Matilda, which yeah. I loved. Ninety seven, six, nineteen ninety six, and I feel like we're the terrible parents, and like our older daughters, like the the Matilda character who just loves school and wants to learn, and we're like the fucking terrible parents who are like just. I don't give a shit. Just sit and watch TV. Shut up. Be quiet. Leave us alone. Um, and then there's like a sunshine, pooping unicorn teacher who's just golden and wonderful. And I feel like those are the teachers in our kids' lives, but they're stuck with us. Sun. I had to follow that for a second, but it makes sense. A sunshine pooping what teacher, but also like, like a unicorn is that they're rare. Got it. For a second, you're like, sunshine pooping unicorn, and I didn't compute teachers, usually, so I was like, there's a sunshine pooping unicorn in that movie? I don't remember that. Usually how I say it is, like, a unicorn who shits rainbows and sunshine. Yeah. Got it. You know. Got yeah. it, yeah. That's a good choice, too. Another movie that I'm not sure if we have. What? That's such a good movie. Yeah, we might have it. I and look. I think our kids would love it. They probably would like it. Or we could look and see if it's streaming somewhere. Yeah. Um, we should watch that one. That's Those a are good. good. One. Those are all good choices, and then it makes me think of like Harry Potter because of his the way he gets treated shitty. And you can always go back 
uh, listeners to listen to our. We always do a Thanksgiving ish. Well, not always. We've done it for two, we've done it for the two years that we've been around. Uh, first, first, the first Harry Potter movie. Then we did the second one, and I'm willing to bet that we might do part three this November. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So. Okay, that's anyway. what I think. We should pick pick a couple of those. All right. Vote for Matilda. So. I want to put this out there. This by no means is any kind of binding contract that we're going to do an episode. Because if you might recall, we did Shut a... Up. Why always bring in throwing shade? I just want to acknowledge that we did a March Madness episode where we went sports movies from this era. Then we're like, we're going to pick the winner. And then we're going to do that as an episode. So we did the March Madness episode, but then we didn't do the episode on the winner. <laughs> yeah, you really fucked that up. That was Tyler. you! <laughs> I feel like it was you. That was you! You were like, do you want to watch that? And I'm so easily influenced. I was like, ah, I guess I don't. I was like, do you want to watch that? And you're like, mm. uh, I think you were like, I mean, we just talked about it a lot. Are you sure you want to watch that next? This is the behind the scenes of production meetings that we have. Yeah. Very intense. Yeah. They're intense discussions about what we should do. And then we do Stuart Little. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll figure it out. This is something to talk about. Hey, if you have some ideas, send us some feedback at whatever. Oldmillennialsremember.com or you can email us. Or maybe I'll make a Facebook or Instagram post or a Twitter post about it. I probably won't. So if that's you don't a, see that, that's oh also well. A binding contract, Taylor. What? That you're going to do that. I never do that. It's I one know. of the reasons why we have ten listeners. <laughs> we have way more than ten. Okay. It's like at least twelve. Twelve. Perfect. Um. All right. You want to talk about Stuart Little? I mean, not really, but I will. So Stuart Little is a movie. Are you guys ready to talk about it? Great. Let's do it. Okay. This would be the point where if you haven't seen Stuart Little, feel free to just... Make a note of when this was. <laughs> it like, seems like we're halfway minute done. Minute 30. Yeah. A minute 30? Yeah. We're a minute 30 into our podcast? No, we're at 30 minutes. Oh, okay. God, do you just like not understand? You said a minute 30. I said like minute 30. Okay. Do you catch what I'm saying? Now, usually we will do a like, what do you remember of this movie? Of the movie that we're about to watch? Yeah. I am pretty sure, and as confirmed as we were watching it, that I actually never had seen this. I don't think I had seen it either. So we couldn't really write a thing. We had both read the book, obviously, when we were younger. You read the book when you were younger? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started the book when I was younger, and then I was like, this book is boring. Yeah, so uh, I didn't. we didn't write one for this. Usually that's the segment we do, but I didn't do it, so... Okay. That's so okay. So I did read this book to our kids. And that's what I wanted to talk about. And that was the reason we, we were already doing these animal ones. I was like, well, there's a 99 movie. We could talk about it. And I think it's notable to kind of discuss the supreme differences between uh, the book and the movie in that. I mean, we all know that movies change a lot. Sure. I think it's interesting how this movie has virtually nothing to do with the book. Yeah. <laughs> the name of the, the name of the characters. That's about uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Which I thought it was a choice. And I think there's a reason for that, which we can get into. Okay. Let's do some high stats first, though. Okay. Stuart Little is a movie that came out December 17th, 1999. Mm -hmm. It clocks in at 84 minutes. And that includes, like, a lengthy opening scene, if I recall, where it's, like, <laughs> really felt like they were padding it. Yeah. I, you gotta love kid movies. And that might have been the sequel. I can't remember. Because uh, we did watch been. the sequel. But I, you gotta love it when a kid movie is like, you know what kids love? A lengthy, uh, non-plot-centric opening title sequence. <laughs> yeah. Or they can wait eight minutes before any character shows up on screen. Where nothing happens. <laughs> it's just kids like... Kids love that. Nice, mellow music. Uh, some cityscapes. It's really just... Uh, I can't remember if that was a sequel or this one because we did watch both of them yes we did and there's a reason why i watched both of them which we can get to as well continue with the high stats what do i usually say also it came it was, out it, i already said that yeah. december 17th 1999 it is directed by rob mingoff now he was an animation director uh who i believe i think i made a note is either the little mermaid or no he was the co-director on The Lion King, so kind of a big deal. This was his first kind of live-action-ish movie. Mm. He would go on to do Disney's The Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy, which is, I recently rewatched that when Disney Plus came on, yeah. and it is not good. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then he made Forbidden Kingdom, which was like this really weird Jackie Chan movie. And then he went back to animation and did Mr. Peabody and Sherman with DreamWorks. So what I'm hearing you say is when he co-directed Lion King, mm -hmm. that was like the peak of his game. Well, he was an animation director, and I could see why it makes sense why he would hire him for, if he wanted to get into live action, this movie is a lot of animation because of the main character being CGI. And so 
I could see the logic there. And I don't think the movie is poorly directed in any way, so... That's probably true. Yeah. Now, his output uh, d- deteriorated, obviously. Yeah. Lion King's pretty hard. High bench to mark. You know, high bench to mark. That sounds like a comment you would make yeah. tonight. Um, so the movie was based on Stuart Little by E.B. White, and the screenplay is written by no other than M. Night Shyamalan and a guy named Greg Brooker. Yeah, so M. Night Shyamalan was, uh, worked on some stuff before. This was when he actually got credit on, though. Um, that's why there's, like, a ghost at the end of the movie that yeah. comes out of nowhere. No. Major twist. Doesn't doesn't feature anything that you would uh, uh, connect with M. Night Shyamalan, but it is a fun fact that he is a credited screenwriter on the film. Now, E.B. Uh, e. White's book came out when... I know you're going to ask me that. Hold on a second. You could probably just click from the Wikipedia page, because I'm sure you have that open. I do, but I don't see the link really. Oh, it's on the top, usually. Um, Do you know you're kind of a dick sometimes? No. You've been a dick to me all day. All (gasps) day. You are so taking everything personally. day. You called me a dick. It came out in 1945. So, and that is, when is that relative to when Charlotte's Web came out? Years before. It was before Charlotte's Web. Yeah. This was kind of his debut-ish, or his yes. thing that kind of made him notable. Okay. Uh, well, let's finish up the high stats for the movie, then. Uh, Michael J. Fox is the voice of Stuart Little. Mm-hmm. That connects to our previous episode on Homer Bound, where mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox was the voice of Chance the Dog mm-hmm. in that film. So, a lot of vocal work for Michael J. Fox. And then the human... Oh, Nathan Lane is the cat. Snowbell. Snowbell. Now... Uh, we talked, obviously, Nathan Lane, known for his vocal work in for a little movie King. called The Lion King. Yep. But can you think of uh, another movie, another mouse-centric movie with Nathan Lane? No. A little thing called Mousetrap, where it was a live action where he was a guy that was trying to catch a mouse for a whole movie. Oh, I don't think I... Actually, we might need to look that up. I might be getting that wrong. I think it is Nathan Lane, though. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe they let you have a podcast. You're supposed to be our movie expert. Sometimes I think of stuff, and I think it's right, but I didn't look it up, so I But just you do didn't. have, a, like, a weird brain. What year did Mousetrap come out? It might be similar, like 98, 97? Oh, 97. So not 2013, because that's what I clicked nope. on. Oh, that is a whole different thing. Ooh, that's probably like a Saw ripoff. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. looks like it. Yeah, that sounds like it Yikes. would be a Saw ripoff. Okay, Mousetrap. Jigsaw. Do you think it's two words? No, it's, it's one word. Coming it's up. one word. It's one word. Uh, mouse hunt, not mouse trap. Mouse hunt. Oh, you fucker. Mouse hunt. Got God, it. you really mouse, nailed it. Just fucked Mouse hunt, nailed it. One word, two words. One word, mouse hunt, nailed it. <laughs> mouse hunt, 1997. Nathan Lane. Yep. And then someone else is in it, too. Oh. Somebody Evans. Yeah, Luke Evans. Not Luke Evans. You'll get it. Oh, he, I know Lee his face. Evans. Lee Evans, yeah. And then it's just a, it was like, this was when DreamWorks was really kind of jumping on the scene with their live action. And it was like a, there was their big title. They were really hoping people would go see this shit. It's not very good. Another voice you recognized in Stuart Little was Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. He's in there. Um, as a cat. As a cat. Like a lesser, he's kind of Snowbell's friend who causes some trouble. Chaz Terry is like the villain cat. Yep. Kind of sets in motion the plot. And then, of course, the human cast, we have Gina Davis. Who's looking good in this Mrs. movie. Mrs. Little. She looked... Okay, I don't want to be like that guy. She looked good in this movie. I thought she looked real good in Stuart Little, too. Probably because well, she had you, red hair. Do you want to expand on that? She looked good. She had red hair. She's looking real good. She always has red hair. She's a redhead. Oh, she's looking real good. Did you just go, oh, like you didn't know that? No. <laughs> Who are you? She's looking real good. Uh, and then Hugh Laurie... Uh, Around the time when he got house, but not quite, right? Is Mr. Little. You're supposed to be the person who knows all this. It was right around when house started, or close to, but it was prior to, right? And I wanted to make a reference to that because we watched Stuart Little 1 and Stuart Little 2, and it's very clearly... <laughs> it first aired in 2004. Oh, oh, okay. So this was well before that then. Yeah. So what's... Really? Okay. So when, would Stuart, when did Stuart Little 2 Nin- come out? Oh... Maybe three years later? Hold on. God, you're just always asking questions. Uh, what I think is notable. Stuart Little 2. Let me just look here. <laughs> A lot of preparation we did. Uh, 2002. Okay, so three years later. So before House, though. Yeah. Um, in Stuart Little 1, Hugh Laurie is doing an American accent, but he's doing it 
in a more subdued way than you are used to hearing Hugh Laurie. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Stuart Little 2, he sounds like Dr. House. Yeah. So either he has developed the way that he likes to do an American accent over those three years, and that ultimately what he did want a house. Mm-hmm. Or he was, I don't know. But it's a, there's a notable difference between how he sounds in Stuart Little 1 and how he sounds in Stuart Little 2. I would agree. Stuart Little 2, he sounds like Dr. House. Yeah. And it was distracting, but also kind of fun. Um, I liked House. That was a good show. I like Hugh Laurie in general. I think he's a good actor. I like Gina Davis. And then, of course, little Johnny Lipnicki. I don't know why he keeps saying it like that, but it really <laughs> bothers our kids. <laughs> yeah. You said it that way like 84 times while we were watching. Uh, Johnny Lipnicki was the little boy in Jerry Maguire. The human head only weighs 8 pounds. He was little and cute. This is at the tail end, unfortunately, of his being cute. He only had a little bit of time before he would grow up, right? So. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, I go Johnny Lipnicki because uh, I used to be a big, uh, I watched David Letterman a lot, and David Letterman near the end of his run would have Big Bang Theory uh, Johnny Galecki on, Mm -hmm. and every time he had Johnny Galecki on, he'd be like, Johnny Galecki! He would never say it any other way besides Johnny Galecki! And then we were going to watch an American Idol this year. And there's a guy on there named Johnny something, and I just go, Johnny Galecki! And our kids hate it. Yikes. Yeah, I also hate it. It's really fun to do. I don't know why you guys don't do it with me. It's a really fun voice to do. It does make your throat hurt, and then you want to go get swabbed for coronavirus. Sure. What I can tell you about what he's up to lately is... Johnny Galecki? Yeah, he's working. Oh, Johnny Lipnicki. He's doing episodes on a lot of TV shows, but nothing like that I watch. Is he wearing glasses still? No. Or has he abandoned that look? He's trying to, like, look handsome here. I'll show you a picture. He oh. still looks pretty young. Well, I, that does not even look like him, really, to me. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so good for him. He, he actually grew up to like look normal. Look, that's fine. It's just like when you are that little on a in a on a movie, or you're known for that. It's really hard to like transition. Haley yeah. Joe Osmond, Macaulay Culkin. We've all had these issues. Drew yeah. Barrymore did it, but yeah, it looks pretty good. I don't I haven't rec- I haven't seen him anything, but no, it doesn't look like he's getting very many like A lister roles. He needs to get those glasses back. I'll tell you that. Probably. That'd probably help him. Okay, so, Stuart Little. The reason why we ended up watching it is because you were reading to the girls at night um, yes. the book. And I, some nights, I, every now and again, we I usually put the boys down because various reasons. The, there's, there's different routines. It's not a gender thing. It's just it You're happens. sexist. Yeah, it's... Everyone knows already a sexist. No, I was just our our son, who's now almost three. Our youngest son was more in need of the routine that I was doing, and so that's why it happened. But now it's less that. So yeah, now I, I'm getting stuck doing all of it. Well, whoever goes downstairs with the girls ends up doing all of it because uh, our son, little son, likes to just extend everything past yeah. the yeah. time that's acceptable to go to yeah. bed. So anyway, I, the point okay. is, is that I, I would, I will come down sometimes and read to them instead. And so I read a few chapters uh, when you were upstairs, and so you read most of the book, but I, yeah, I, I, you know, I filled in a couple things. So this is how we chose the book. Mm-hmm. First, we were out of books. We had finished, and I like to read. See, I'm not totally the Matilda parents. I mean, occasionally I really show up as a good mom. We got a lot of like little kid books that they can read themselves yes. or read stories. Well, we don't have a yeah. lot of chapter books because now our oldest daughter is eight, going on nine. Yeah, she wants to read it's fun bigger to books. Have right? like a longer chapter book that right. we can continue the saga, like and, they do in school. Yeah, yeah, and it's great at nighttime because then it's like now you have something to look forward to the next uh, bedtime. Like we're gonna finish, keep reading. And she didn't want to do Harry Potter, so. so so I came into your room, Tyler, here where we're recording this podcast, and we have a couple bookcases, some full of like classic books. Mm-hmm. But I knew we had some, like, uh, young adult literature, kids' literature. Yeah. So I pull out Journey to the Center of the Earth. Ooh, that's not really a... And I'm like, well, this is a book. I'm sure this is an adventure. I liked the movie with Brendan Fraser. I'm sure <laughs> Marion's going to like this book. Johnny, another Brendan Fraser movie. Fun fact, about. your grandma from Minnesota signed it in 1987. Oh, wow. Or 92 or something. And I, it might be... is Was it the original text or was it, like, a kidified version? No, it was, like, the original. Because it's so, not really, like, a kid's book. No! Yeah. So, like, I brought it in there and I was trying to read the first chapter. Okay, I could barely get through the text. It was like... 
It's from like 1890s. Oh my god, the language was so hard. Yeah. I barely understood what the hell was happening, and I and yeah. I was like, "Well, kids, let's just stick through it." Because sometimes don't like, bother with War of the Worlds either. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the I like story book, but... will you know will make up for like the language, right. right? So I was trying to kind of send that message. Oh, I couldn't even get to the end of the chapter, so I was like, "Okay, I gotta go pull another." They're not gonna understand the words. No, so then I saw Stuart Little in here, and I know my mom's like a been a third grade teacher, and she's always like, "Oh, Stuart Little is a great book for kids if you have that around." You like my mom voice there? Oh, yeah. Or any voice? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so we started reading that. And much more appropriate for kids. Right. But also written in 1945. So a lot so of things So a lot of like old timey language, mm-hmm. explanations, sexism, just some <laughs> weird shit. Yeah. Like some weird shit. I remember reading just, there are pictures in the book. And I so the our our eight year old's listening to it pretty intently. The five year old is sitting there with you, and she'll follow with you, and she likes to try to memorize words when you're reading other stories, right? Yep. So she's ch- doing her best, right? But then if you like try to check for understanding with her, it's like what's going on, and she'll just like if if she's if there's a picture on the book, she'll in the page she'll be like, well, he's in the car, he's driving in the car. I'm like, yep, <laughs> like she can only really like so the language is going over her head anyway. Totally. Yeah. So we read the book, and I will tell you something. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy the book. Why has my mom been recommending this book for our kids? It is a terrible book. So why didn't you enjoy the book? Well, for several reasons. Okay. It felt more like a book of short stories about this mouse who goes on adventures, and it wasn't like a uh, like a beginning, middle, and end. Okay, it was more like these tiny vignettes of stuff. And then, like I know, I did miss a couple chapters that you read, which may have made it. They were vignettes as well, though. But it was like all of a sudden he's a kid, and then all of a sudden he's venturing out into the world to look for this bird, mm-hmm. and he's driving a car, an invisible car. He's working as a substitute teacher for a day. <laughs> like, isn't he a fucking kid still? Right. Um, there's this the scene where he tries to like court some gal who's not a mouse. Even mm. though he's a mouse, but sort of not a mouse, so that's all very confusing. I actually did enjoy that short story because in the end of that little vignette, he ends up being a total dick to the girl, mm. and he, like he throws this big temper tantrum and doesn't recover, and she's like, "Okay, well, bye." And it was just really great how that ended. Um, but then, so you get to the end of the book, and it's a kid's book, and I don't know if you've ever read a book to kids, but they like a fucking ending, and they like <laughs> a fucking happy ending. And this book's like, he's out searching for this bird, his bird he loves Margolo. so much, Margolo, and it just ends with him chatting with a, with a telephone uh, worker on the side of the road, talking about if he's gonna go south or west, or... Kind of like the end of Castaway. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> Not really. Well, no, at the end of Castaway, he's back on in the thing. He's delivering that package, and then he's at the road. There's, like, a crossroad. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like that, except that at Castaway, he makes it fucking home. Yeah, but he, you know, his and life has changed. In anyway. Stuart Little, it's yeah. like, well, I guess I hope I find that bird. I probably won't. <laughs> okay, the end. So, what did our kids think? Now, the five-year-old didn't care, but nope. our oldest... She immediately goes, what? That cannot be the end. Are there pages missing? Mom, check. Does it look like there's pages ripped out of the book? That is the worst ending. That cannot be the ending. Which is pretty funny. (laughs) I was like, I agree. What the fuck is happening? So I can't, um, I didn't read the whole book with you guys, so I don't. No, you didn't miss much. I, I, I didn't mind the chapters I read. I thought it was playful. Like, you know, for the language, I thought it was fun enough, right? Yeah. I knew that the kids weren't probably enjoying it just because of the language barrier mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but, you know, it was okay. Right? I, I appreciated it. but And so I don't know if it would have struck me at that much at the end because it's definitely like a choice, right? It's but, a choice, uh, which like as an adult reading fiction, I'm uh, yeah. fine. But as for a child's perspective, it's just like, what? Like, um, first of all, I've accepted all the shenanigans of this plot. Right. A mouse who drives a car... Who lives with real people. And I think what we do, especially with E.B. White, is that we equate... I think most of us, I, you and I, I think, would agree. Like, we really love Charlotte's Web, that book. And, like, we've read it as adults and like that story yeah. much more. And well, we've had movies that like are... Ty- and the movies that have been made have at least been somewhat close to or whatever. So, 
yeah, I mean, we think of E.B. White as like, okay, so Stuart Little, yeah, we know Stuart Little, we love Stuart Little, but it's like not the same kind of book at all. Um, no, and it's funny because E.B. White apparently came up with the book idea based on like these stories he would tell his kids at bedtime, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. makes sense. They were like stories you make up that you tell your kid, oh, and right. then he went on this adventure, and then you move on to the next one the next night, and it very much felt like that. And I could see why it was popular, especially at that time, and why it became a thing because it's so it's very detailed and it provides kind of a unique story and a perspective yeah. right in the book it's like and you were saying this in the book it's uh he's mouse like but they don't ever say that he's a mouse yeah but and he can all, talk but all the pictures are yeah oh and she births him it's not like they go and adopt him it's mm. like oh she had her baby and the baby was two inches tall and okay. looked like a mouse so i just have to ask this question we are in the middle of a pandemic, and I have to. So I just have to ask you: Were you drunk when you were reading it, and you don't remember certain details, or you've changed the story? No. Were you drunk? No, because I had to go Google some stuff were and be like, you "What the drunk? fuck?" <laughs> you can go out. There's a lot of people who have written hilarious takes on this movie but, being stupid. And look, that might book. all well be true, but I'm still asking you the question: Were you drunk? Not every night I okay. read. Not every night. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's the book. That's why you were even saying, like, we'll watch the movie because at least I think we at least knew that the movie was modernized. Like, the movie's probably going to have a beginning, a middle, <laughs> and an end right. that's somewhat satisfying. And they're on Netflix, so it's so easy to watch. Yes. So we watched it. I had never seen this film. It was very apparent from the beginning. Yeah. I remember that trailer that played, or like, he's here, like, little lip Nicky. Uh, going, he's here, he's here, or whatever, but va- vastly different from, there's no, there's very little or almost nothing involved with the yeah. Stuart Little film that is in the actual book. There's, there's, um, a few similarities. Okay. The names of the characters. Yep. Um, that he is the size of a mouse. Yep. And that he eventually drives a car. Not an invisible car, and it's yeah, not Yeah, in the for... book, it's an invisible car. So they go to a Hugh Laurie and Gina Davis go to this adoption. They live in orphanage. A, oh, or sorry, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, uh, is the house described the way it is in the book? The way that they appear in the movie? It's like I a small remember. house that you can always the littles could always spot the house. That wasn't a thing. Okay, um, were you drunk? Nope, it was okay. just a house. Okay, so uh, they go to the uh, orphanage. There's a lot of kids running around, but they decide to talk. They end up talking to little Stuart Little, and they just kind of fall for him a little bit, and they bring him home. Johnny Lipinky, Lipnicky, Lipadoo, Johnny Galecki, he is disappointed because he wanted a brother. Like a real fucking kid, not a little fucking mouse. And it's a mouse, and so he's like, what the fuck are you he's guys like, doing? He's great, okay, cool, thanks, mom and dad, bye. But the mouse talks, and they can hear him, mm-hmm. so that's something, right? Mm-hmm. The cat, Snowbell, uh, doesn't like it, because why would he want to be have a master, he claims, that yeah. is a mouse. But see... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, because Stuart Little is a family member, right? And who the can cat talk is just a pet. The cat, yeah, and the cat and Stuart Little can talk to each other. Yeah, Nathan Lane is the voice, but the human characters can't hear the cat. I don't like these kind of fucking. It's rules. So confusing. Same with the the bird in the next movie, right? So, and then in uh, this movie, we have unlike Homeward Bound, uh, the cat when it talks, its mouth is moving. Yeah. Which is frustrating. It is, but it didn't look terrible. No, to me. but it, it because there's fine. some CGI going on with the cat anyway. But Stuart Little is an entirely CGI character. I thought that actually looked fine. Look good that for ninety nine. It, it's supposed to look cartoonish, and I yeah. think that go that's an advantage. I don't yeah. think it looks like a real thing, but for the movie that it is, it's fine. Yeah, I thought it looked good. I thought it didn't bother me. I thought the lions and Lion King bothered me more than Stuart oh, Little yeah. did. Oh, for sure. Because um, he had a style. You're so right. there's there's inherent conflict here with the brother. That's kind of like the first act conflict that gets resolved. The second... There's like really like three conflicts, right? It's not like a one fluid story. That's the first part. The second part is he's having trouble, uh, and so they they go and say, go find your, your, your birth parents or whatever. And that's like one thing. And so these two other mice show up who also can speak to... The human characters, mm-hmm. despite they were being hired by the cats that can't speak to the human characters, because we've the third plot that ends up being kind of the main part of the third part is that Snowbell is jealous, tells these other bad cats what's going on. They're like, we can't have some mouse. 
Uh, Not is, is just irritating. But there's three different things, really, that are kind yeah. of the conflicts, right? Because he yeah. ends up leaving with his family, but then quickly realizes that they're not actually um, his, family. his family and that it's a trap. Then the family's all looking for him, then the cats, the right, blah, right, blah, right. blah, blah. <laughs> the boat? Is a boat? The boat is in the book, but that's it's totally the, different. That's in the next movie, isn't it? No, the boat. Uh, he's uh, Johnny Lip- Johnny yeah. Lipinski <laughs> is building a model boat and he races it at Central Park. And then it, the remote control breaks. Obviously, that wasn't in the old book. So Stuart Little drives the boat and wins the race in Central Park. There is a boat race. Mm-hmm. Um, in a more creepier storyline in the book, he just meets some random old guy in the park. And, oh, and he's like, "Can I drive your boat?" And the old guy's like, "Blah blah blah, sure." And Why then he is it... works for him as his boat driver. That's he's a creepy guy in the park. I th- have didn't you I mean, learn? He's an older guy. In the didn't park. you learn anything from Home Alone Two: Lost in New York that the pigeon lady in Central That's Park true. is totally fine, totally nice. That's trust true. her. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point, Taylor. Always trust the creepy strangers in the park. Yeah, that's true. Um, there was something I was gonna say about this movie. Margolo is not in this movie at all. Yeah, and that's not basically a the whole point of the book is. At least, at least midway through. So they, had, I mean, they they took nothing from the book to make Stuart Little the movie, uh, and it was a success. I mean, clearly this was the right move. It got pretty decent reviews, and people went to see it. And I don't think anybody remembered what the old Stuart Little book was about. So, like, yeah, it's fine. It's a kid movie. We had a good time, right? Yeah. Pretty much. That's all there is to it. Now, um, there was something I wanted to say, and now I can't remember. About the plot turn of the mice. I don't know. I can't think of it. Okay. It's not a very it's not a very busy movie, which I appreciated. It's it's got that tone of just like vignettes a little bit, and it's it's pleasant. It's not too feverish, it's not running around, it's not a bunch of CGI dumb action, not a lot of dumb jokes, it's mostly just pleasant. Like, it's supposed to be like, go take your kids to the movie on Christmas, and you can just kind of like, half sleep through it, and you're fine. Yeah. But it's not obnoxious, right? I would agree with that. It's just mellow. Even the talking other talking animals, it's not... Yeah, it's Out fine. of control. Yeah. And Michael J. Fox is a very calming presence in general. He's a great voice. Yeah. He it's funny because when you do, and it wasn't, it's like maybe five, six years apart, right? But like he's playing a kind of an energetic character in Homeward Bound. And now he's playing a little boy, but it's much more like, it's just softer and more, just like more pleasant to yeah. be around and to totally. listen to. Right? Um, yeah, so it's fine, but yeah. it's utterly forgettable. I didn't, uh, there was nothing about it that struck me as, like, emotional. There was there was no emotional pull to the movie. The kids no. seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't didn't seem to be, like, a thing. I, don't, I know they liked it better than the book. <laughs> uh, so then we did watch Stuart Little, too. Right. And I don't want to spend too much t- time talking about it, but the girls were much more happy with Stuart Little, too, because it at least ties in more features from the book a couple scenes there's the bird margalo is in it now margalo is it, it comes to the top she changes her wing in the sequel and then she gets nursed back to health a little bit but the the twist of that is that she is working for james woods's bird yeah <laughs> um who's you know is james woods and uh, he She's, you know, she has to. She ends up liking Stuart as a friend, and so therefore she feels guilty about like conning this family, right? Giving intel into this hawk so that they he could they could rob this family of expensive jewelry. Yeah, so I mean, it, it it's kind of a busy thing, and there's more busy, a couple more busy action scenes. There's like a rather than a car now, it's a remote control plane that he ends up flying around near the end. Which is not in the book. Snowbell, who is kind of a villain in the first movie, who ends up kind of turning and helping Stuart Little fight off the bad cats, is kind of more of a friend to Stuart in the second Which one. is not in the book. No. Now, Snowbell is pretty adversarial to Stuart in the book, though, correct? Not, like, straight up. In fact, I mean, what happens in the book mm-hmm. is Snowbell's talking to his cat friend. Mm. And he's like, oh, man, we have this bird. I can't eat the bird because I'm part of the family. But that doesn't stop you from going into the house and eating the bird. So then he gives the bird his or his friend cat 
the specific instructions to go eat Margalo. Mm-hmm. Well, a pigeon overhears this, goes and informs Margalo, who panics and escapes, never to be seen again. Gotcha. So the cat's not, like, super mean to Stuart, but definitely... Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah. The other things I wanted to mention is that this is... It's littered with um, interesting cast through the first Stuart Little. Yeah. Uh, so Bruno Kirby, the late Bruno Kirby, and Jennifer Tilly. Is it Jennifer Tilly or Melanie? No, Melanie Griffith is the voice of Margolo in the sequel, which I think is a, a choice that connects Melanie back Griffith to... Melanie Griffith from Roar. Roar. But in the first movie, it's Bruno Kirby and Jennifer Tilly as, like, the fake mouse parents. Yep. And then you have... Um, small they have a little family gathering when they announce Stuart the little family people come over and so Brian Doyle Murray is there who's like Bill Murray's older brother who's in all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. even in Groundhog Day even in yeah lots all sorts of stuff right uh Christmas vacation uh Jeffrey Jones that guy used to be on everything remember Jeffrey Jones from like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh and then he got into some uh, legal trouble and now we don't see him in things anymore uh, except for when he came back to do a brief appearance in the Deadwood movie, and people were mad because they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Anyway, I'll just go read about that. Um, okay. And then John Polito is like this cop that comes in. And John Polito, I remember from Bushwhacked with Daniel Stern, which we have to do an episode on that one. Um, oh my god! Oh, then so the other thing I want to talk about was it's a very pleasant movie. It's all very innocuous and ch- mm-hmm. for children, mm-hmm. except for. One thing, really. Could two things. Remind One's related me. to John Polito. The first one is like when the little family finds out that his biological parents are dead and that they're, they're fake, the ones that came and got him are dead. The orphanage woman comes by and tells them what happened to the original uh, parents. They were shopping at the grocery store and a cream of mushroom soup crushed them. Like a. a- What's it called? A display of yeah. soups fell over. And the stock boy had to them. dig them out. That's, mm-hmm. She made that detail, and she also made the detail of they only had, they could only identify them by their dental records. In the Stuart Little movie, that yeah. is the image. Yep. So that's fun, which is fine in the scene because it's two adults. But this is a kids' movie, so our <laughs> kids were like, "What?" So I thought it was pretty funny, but it was like. This is the only time in the movie where I actually laughed, right? Because I was like, oh my god, that's great. It got fucking dark real quick. The other part is pretty soon after that, they go down to the police station, and John Polito's like, oh. He's like, well, he's like, what's going on? We're looking for him. We're doing the best we can. And they're like, well, tell us the truth. What's going on? It's like, all right, you want us straight? He's like, the parent, Mr. Hewler, is like, no, we're his parents. We don't want to hear it straight. We want to hear optimism. He's like, oh, well, yeah, then he's he's totally fine. We'll find him. And then they're like, well, what do you, so what, tell it to us straight. He's like, oh, well, he's probably been murdered. Like, gruesomely like, murdered. Like a murder. Like, there's, and then he's like, so then he goes and pulls some files of like gruesome murder sprees. He's like, yeah, look at this horrible stuff that's going on here. Just look at this picture. They're like, ah, God, they're looking at, like, we don't see it, but they are yeah. looking at grisly murder photos. Yeah. And that's just in this middle of this movie. That's a weird fucking detail. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, it was definitely like some Shyamalan shit. He's like, I got it. He's like, let's throw the parents some gruesome shit. I got to add some at. shit to this, right? Um, Twist. So those are my two favorite parts, just a little, <laughs> the parts that were very inappropriate for the kids. Oh my god, you're so funny. So, and then I, honestly, I don't remember much about the rest of the movie, and I really don't remember anything about that second one other than that flying around the city. Yeah, those. you weren't really watching, you were mostly on your phone. For the second one, yeah. I, yeah. I did watch the first one, but I was still drifting off on it. Um, the second one, yeah, there was, I just, I can't, I can't, nope, nope. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that about does it. This has been an episode on Stuart Little. It's been kind of an episode on Stuart Little. Enough. Like, more than enough. Like, a half hour of talking about Stuart Little is a half hour too much. No, but I, you know, I think it is important to, to, it is, it's such a strange thing that it, uh, what's notable about it is that it was so, it's so different than the book, and usually that's, like, a problem for people. But in this case, it seems like this is the best scenario. Like, like the other way, I don't think is filmable. Like, I don't think that's going to be a a movie that kids are going to, like, engage in. Like, the one that's actually based on the stories that happened in that movie. No, I mean, I could see that being, like, on PBS and a nice lullaby to put you to sleep. The book version? Yeah. Even with all the weird shit going on in there? Yeah. Yeah, all right. It's just, like, old-timey weird stuff. No one seemed to mind. People went to the theater. 
No, because nobody's actually read this book. Uh, well, the other thing I was going to say was that uh, when I was looking for clips for the beginning part of our trailers, I noticed there was a couple on there that was like reviewing they pop-up reviews like oh g- great entertainment for the family the perfect holiday treat and one of them was thumbs up roger ebert at the movies and i was like wait <laughs> because earlier right before i watched the looking for clips i was pulling up a se- uh, potential for our potential segment of what would roger say yeah and i noticed the star rating on what would roger say was what two stars and yet they are on TV advertising that it's a thumbs up from Roger Ebert. Now, I did click on the little video again, and it said thumbs up Roger Ebert and the movies, which is the television show. Oh, mm-hmm. And therefore, at that time period, Gene Siskel had already died, or was off, yeah, died. And so he had either, not, I don't think Richard Roper was necessarily the regular person. They had a rotation. Um, so I'm guessing that the other person, not Roger Ebert, gave it a thumbs up, and so they felt that was enough to be like, thumbs up! Roger Ebert and the movies. A little bit of a... Weird. Come on. You couldn't find another stupid little thing to put on there? Tyler, I am so tired right now, I'm gonna skip all the segments and end the episode. No, what Roger said? No, Roger, no tea time, no... Well, I was actually going to make the Angel Explains It All be how you would explain what the book was about, but I forgot to introduce that segment, so let's just pretend we did it. We'll insert it earlier. We'll be like, na, 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 na. Alright guys, thanks for listening. This has been Old Millennials Remember Movies. We appreciate you listening. Go tell a fucking old millennial to listen to this podcast. We've done like 76 of these now and you haven't told anybody you're such an asshole. I mean, you're a typical fucking old millennial, okay? Like, like, just find someone in your phone, text them, go go to your podcast app, click the share button, copy the link, and text it to two fucking old millennials. Listen to what I do for this podcast. I bring two computers downstairs. I plug them in. I plug a microphone in. I take brief notes about the movies that I have watched in the past week. Sometimes I have to really think about that because sometimes I forget I haven't filled out my letterbox in months. What's your letterbox? It's like an app that you can use to kind of log what movies you're watching. Very easy and actually a great thing to do if you watch a lot of movies like myself. And yet, I don't update it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in another movie. Bye. Don't don't cut me off. I'm talking about...